Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to another episode of Four Times and the Podcast. This episode is brought to you by our sponsors, footballprizes.co.uk. This week's Celtic competition is uh, another belter from them. It is a Leal Abada signed and custom frame Celtic shirt. It's a one of a kind prize. You'll not see it this end like this anywhere else. So it's a great one to win if you're lucky enough to get that winning ticket. They've also got a couple of instant win prizes as well, including a, a Leal Abada signed Celtic montage and a signed Celtic Park Street sign. So that's another cool one. If you're lucky enough to get given ticket number 11, you'll win that straight away. And, you'll, and there's also a load of instant win prizes for some site credit on football prizes that you can use on the Celtic draws or any draw on football prizes. So thanks to them for their continued support. And we'll get on with the show now. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Four Times in a Podcast. It's been a few weeks since we've done a podcast, so we'll no, we'll no bore you beginning with the last three weeks because I know you'll be up to date uh, with everything that's going on, but we'll just cover a few subjects today. We're going to look at recent rumours about Leo Labada possibly wanting to leave Celtic this summer. We'll also take a look back at this weekend's Legends game down at Anfield. We've got a special guest on to talk about his new Celtic book, but we'll bring him in later and we'll also look towards this Sunday's return to Celtic action when uh, we preview the away trip to Ross County. Tony, I'll bring you in first. Uh, about a week ago, the Celtic Twitterverse and Facebook and everything was sort of thrown into a bit of a debate when it emerged that Leo Labada's former club president had said that he was 90% sure that Leo Labada was going to uh, leave Celtic to join an English Premier League club this summer and he says that he could confirm that Abada had knocked back a contract extension at Celtic 
Uh, first of all, what's your thoughts on that? And uh, would you expect them to leave in the summer? Um, again, I think people love a, a good meltdown when any of these rumours come up. Um, I can see why he would want to leave. He doesn't he start a lot. Um, when he does start, he, he seems to always contribute. I mean, I don't think anybody can bash his, um, his stats and his figures for us. And there's never been anything to suggest he's he's in a huff for the manager or he's not enjoying himself. So um, I think we've already shown with the departures of Giacomacus and Juranovic that if we continue in the same vein in terms of transfer dealings with this manager, then as much as, as you might miss him, I think these players can be replaced, and that is the model of the club. You buy cheap, you sell high. We've been doing it for as long as I can remember. So, um, while he's still here, I'm sure he gets everybody's support. I'm sure he'll still be a vital part of the, the squad for now until the end of the season, whether that's starting or coming off the bench. Um, that's very possible he leaves, but then again, you've got made a Haksabanovic. Um, and Jota as you have your like players at the minute. So if if you can maybe get quite a few million for him, I'd like to see us get better than we got for Jackamakis and Juranovic. I thought we we get done a wee bit for they two. So for a badder, what you're looking at, I don't know, maybe ten million is he worth as much as that? Probably. He's a young player, a lot of potential. He's now played in the Champions League. He's he's been very effective in Glasgow Derbies. There's no two two ways about that. So um there's, there's no any player at the minute where, well, maybe bar maybe two or three, where I'd be devastated if they left. Um, it's just the manager's the kind of main man. So, um, as I say, we've became this kind of well-oiled machine. He's a cog in it. If he leaves, I think we'll just fill the, the space in with somebody else and just keep it going. So, as I say, Hopefully he keeps going to the end of the season. If he stays, great. Hopefully he can improve with us. And if he wants to go, then, then best of luck to him. But I won't be having a, a full-scale meltdown over it, that's for sure. I definitely. It's interesting, as you say. He's not a, he's not a guaranteed starter by any means. And his numbers are incredible for somebody so young. He was obviously a massive part of uh, what we've done last season as well. And... It'll be interesting to see. Danny, I'll bring you in. We know the Celtic support love an overreaction and I think there possibly was a bit of an overreaction to this because there's a few sort of dubious links about it in terms of, first of all, how the uh, chairman of his previous club would know how Celtic were planning to move forward this summer and how he came to the conclusion that he was 90% certain he would leave. Uh, what's your thoughts on it? Obviously, a bad when he signed and Summer of 2021 signed a five-year deal, so Celtic are only under massive pressure to sell him on at this point. But as Tony alluded to, do you think it could be similar to the likes of Jackie Marcus and Iranovic, where they didn't sign new contract extension they went and they were moved out of the next transfer window? Aye, it could be. I, th- I don't know what the, the veracity of these rumours of He's ex-club's chairman. I mean, he could just be... He's got a big... He, I'd imagine he'll have a sell-on fee that he's probably trying to cash in on, so... Maybe he's trying to get the party started that way, but we've got an abundance of wingers. Um, you know, we've got Aksibanovic, we've got Maeda, Jota, um, and then a bad that's four good wingers have probably left one out, knowing the, the forest is there as well, of course, in the, in the squad. But it's not as if a bad will go and we'll suddenly be scrapping around for a replacement. And But knowing and you'll probably want to bring a replacement in before he lets him go anyway. So... 
who knows? Um, I, I think Abad is a, a very good player. I think his stats are, he's probably outperformed his stats to what they are, but at the same time, he's a fucking brilliant football player. And if he puts it all together, which I think he will in the next couple of years, I think he could go on to be probably maybe the best out of them all um, with the potential that he's got because he's, he's still so young, but he's, he's got a knack for scoring big goals and big performances. and can he really teach that sort of thing? So if natural progression took place and they put everything together, some somebody's going to get an absolutely jammy a player in their hands and we've got them in now. But we're under, under no pressure to sell. Um, I think Abada will go for well over 15 to 20 million. I, I don't think he'll go for less, um, although I was wrong about Juranovic and Jackie Marcus, but I think Abada's get youth in his side and teams in England will be We'll, we'll buy him up. I think they can get a cheap deal off us, probably. Um, and as you've seen, like even last night with Tierney, I mean, Selig got robbed 25 million. We got robbed blind to Kieran Tierney. So hopefully, a badder with youth in his side will go, be, go for a lot more money. But I don't think Selig are under any pressure to sell at the minute. I mean, in the summer, hopefully, God willing, still you know, be right into the Champions League. And he's got a decision to make, you know, does he want to play in the Champions League or does, does he want to go and fight the relegation down south with, I think, Southampton or the team at the that's if they even stay up. I mean, they could go down. So he's, the, it's not really Celtic with a decision to make, it's probably a bad in the summer and he's never really had a consistent role in the team. He burst onto the scene when he signed and then I felt he levelled out a wee bit, but then he came back and a bad last season from around about December to you know, March was really, really good for us and he popped up with a lot of goals and really good performances, a couple of massive goals for us um, and then the same this season. So I think there's, there's obviously talent there, um, but I don't think the pressure's on Celtic. I'd rather, if Abada wants to move, I don't think anybody will stand his way. That doesn't seem to be Andrew's um, methods. You know, if a player wants to go, he just lets him go. So the boss probably in Abada's court, but when it comes to the the chairman of his ex-club, I imagine he's just trying to get the, he's probably got a 10% sell on for you or something that he's wanting to cash in. I definitely, as you say, there could be that sort of ulterior motive. Andy, where do you see Abada's future after this summer? Would you expect him to still be a Celtic player? And does it worry you at all that the fact that it seems to be if players don't commit a long-term future eh, to Celtic or sign an extension that there is these sort of rumours, obviously it came true for Jack and Marcus and Duran, which they were moved on, but does that concern you that it's sort of as cutthroat as that, where uh, players are just moved on at the first opportunity if they don't sign? No, I wouldn't say so. I think, I mean, I mean the manager sort of made any, any qualms about it. He's not hidden the fact that if players weren't sort of 100% committed to the cause, then that's what would happen. And that, to be honest, it's I don't, I don't mind that at all. Um, it's not done us any harm up to this point, and we seem very proactive uh, in terms of Jackie Marcus, and then obviously um, bringing in O for him and bringing in Johnston for Juranovic. That we were very, very proactive when when they came around. And uh, listen, I'm not going to sit and say that we know the ins and outs, and they're the exact same circumstances and all the rest of it, because ultimately we we don't fully know. Um, I think there's probably an element of truth in what Danny says. I reckon there's there's a clause, and it's that these old chairmen's getting a vested interest if we sell them for a lot of money, and that's 
probably what he's what he's angling at. Um, the same way we do at times when you hear about, um, obviously somebody mentioned Kieran Tierney, that you talk about obviously the figures that he's been touted with and at Newcastle, and obviously it, it pricks a lot of our ears up when we hear about it because we know there's a there's a sell on in there. The same way obviously it didn't happen, but when Dembele went, you go a sell on was there. It's, um, I, I dare say it's probably their chairman sort of playing up to that a wee bit and, and try to get that to happen. But I don't fully know what's happened. I don't think we do. But I, I, I like the idea that if players are not 100% bought in and invested, then the manager's not going to sit here and sell the idea of selling to them and sell sort of staying and becoming a hero and blah, blah, blah. I don't, I don't need to go at all, but like, I, I don't think they should need that sold to them. So if, if it's the case that when players are sort of tuning out for that and they're, they're no there with the drive and the determination to force their way into the team in his case because um, obviously he's, he's found himself sort of no nailing down that starting position um, if he's not up to that no wanting to do that much to move on and as you say go to a Southampton and fight a relegation battle then listen that's that's his choice he doesn't owe Celtic anything he did none of this like, I, I don't, you don't expect too much loyalty for players like that. Um, if we get a good fee for them, and again we're proactive in the market and get a replacement, then that's that's fine with me. Um, as Tony mentioned earlier, I'll no be sort of getting off my heat and calling them for everything. Um, if, if he wants to move on, then on you go. Um, get us a good fee. We can be very amicable, and we can look to to get players in that want to be here and that can improve the squad. Absolutely, and. Uh, as you say, I think as long as we continue bringing in replacements, I know Danny mentioned that we were quite stacked in uh, the sort of positions, but I think Ange would still look to replace a player like Leo Bader, especially with the sort of contribution he's been making the last season and a half. But I know some people had sort of questioned whether we were being, uh, I know when Iranovic and Giacomacus especially were uh, on the way, people were uh, questioning whether we were sort of lowballing them, but I don't think that's really the case. And, I think the sort of proof in that is that the fact that we convince guys like Cameron Carter-Vickers and Daughter to sign permanent deals, I don't think they'll be on any sort of low salary. And as you say, Andy, like it's sort of, you're not just getting your wage at Celtic, you're, you're living the Celtic way and you're winning trophies, you're playing in Europe. But I think, I, I don't think, I've not got any sort of worries that players are leaving because we're not paying them enough or whatever, but Bad is still young. I think he could do with another few years at Celtic before moving to uh, a top league. But at the same time, as I think Tony mentioned at the top of the uh, segment, it was he's he's not getting a guaranteed start. But at the same time, he, he started plenty of big games. Like you think about that uh, Derby game at the start of the season. He also started the Real Madrid at home game as well. I know he was subbed at half time that day, but it was it was a show of faith from Ange, and he's he's played plenty enough. Like, and the, the full squad is sort of relied on. Uh, so just because he's not starting doesn't mean he's not heavily involved. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see because I think most people expect that we will move on. A few more players in each window now as we sort of progress under Ange. And I think it was Ange that says that the AGM uh, not to get too attached. So it'll be interesting to see what the summer holds. But I'm sure we'll get to that when these moves do happen or don't happen in the summer. But uh, last weekend... Uh, their Celtic Foundation with the Liverpool FC Foundation to host a charity match down at Anfield between uh, Liverpool 11 and a Celtic 11. And 
uh, Tony, you were down there, you got to experience the game and you actually got to speak to uh, one of the players afterwards. It was Trevor Sinclair, who uh, I know never played for Celtic, but he's never had his desire and love for the club. And uh, we'll just play that now to uh, let the listeners know what he had to say about uh, the match at Anfield. But... Hi Trevor, so your first game for Celtic, uh, did it go the way we planned? No. A great day out and um, a lot of money raised for good causes. Incredible day out, I think that's the important thing, you know, you look at both um, foundations, Liverpool and Celtic coming together, I don't know how many was there, about 50,000, yeah. incredible turnout, raised a lot of money for you know two pretty deprived cities, uh, one in obviously Glasgow and, and Liverpool as well, so Got the got the invite, couldn't turn it down. Um, it's been a big um, a big prayer of my dad's to play for Celtic at some stage. He's from Govan, he's a big Celtic fan. And as soon as he got the call, I couldn't turn it down. So yeah, delighted, honoured to be here, honoured to put the hoops on. And uh, what a welcome from the boys as well. You know, they've been superb the way they've welcomed me into the group. So absolutely delighted, yeah. Probably the biggest away support Celtic have had this year, including the league. So they were a fine boys you must have enjoyed. Oh, them. I mean, the atmosphere was brilliant. Yeah, you can see you're going to enjoy the weekend. Um, bit gutted we couldn't score a goal for him, uh, even though the referee was a bit biased. Yeah. I, thought, I thought the one that came off the front of the bar, how can it go out of play and then hit the front of the bar? Um, but yeah, apart from that, I mean, you know, it's not really about the result, it's about everyone turning up. People have come from abroad to play for Celtic, I'm sure for Liverpool as well, so, you know, credit to the players, the coaching staff, everyone coming together to raise money for really important um, foundations. Bad refereeing decisions, it was being back in Scotland, yeah. it was... Yeah, I know. <laughs> Even I know. in our charity Absolutely. game decisions. I know, yeah, I thought we could have got a couple of decisions. Yeah. First goal, I'm not sure whether that was, was it handball or offside, I'm not sure, and then the second one off the... Off the front of the bar, I'm not, I don't know how that's physically possible to come off the front of the bar. But again, you know. Yeah, so it's been good fun. It's been good to come down. I'm planning and heading out after it. So it's yeah, been, it's be been a good, good night out tonight. I think both fans yeah. come from the same, cut out the same cloth. So they'll be, um, I'm not I'm sure they'll be um, fine together partying in Liverpool today. So Especially during the kind of cost of living crisis for so many fans. They turn out and play and, and try to help the foundations. I think it is what yeah. both clubs are all about yeah. at heart and what football's all about. Really. Absolutely. And, you know, I've been to a few games um, at Parkhead and you know the, the support second to none for me you know the way that they get behind the team um, so yeah it was an absolute privilege to play in front of them and uh, shame I couldn't contribute more but just proud to put the shirt on and uh, play my small part yeah thanks very much mate. cheers I so there you go Tony it was uh, Trevor Sinclair certainly seemed to enjoy it how did you enjoy your weekend in Liverpool Aye, I mean, the game itself was a bit boring I must admit I was kind of glad when Gerard scored because I was falling asleep and <laughs> I just I just found the whole thing quite funny, I must admit. Um I thought his celebration was mental, but obviously Sean he, he took the bait and I thought he would because he's a bit thick and um <laughs> fans started launching bottles, I think. I think they were plastic bottles. Not that I'm uh, saying you should throw bottles at players, you, you you shouldn't do that, but um I just it just kind of was this kind of daft charity game. Turned into um, a bit of a riot. So, no, it was, it was quite funny. Um, the games are always kind of, you know, they're just like a damn, they're an excuse to, to raise a lot of money for charity. It was fantastic. I don't mean an excuse, sorry. I was going to say an excuse to get pissed and it's um, it's good to raise the money for charity. So, yeah, I spent a couple of days down in Liverpool. I've got family in the world. So, it was different class. Had a great night in the Liverpool Irish Centre afterwards. Um, Parliament she was singing, he was excellent, then went and seen him singing in Fitzgerald's as well in Liverpool and it's a great city, it's a it's a busy city, it was bouncing and 
I had a great weekend and, and talking to Trevor Sinclair, he was really sound. I get kind of press access through the club, which was was nice of him. <coughs> I did turn up um I think five hours early, made a bit of an asset for the, the start. I just wanted to meet Big Arthur Boruk, I must admit. But uh, it wasn't about. So I spoke to Paul Lambert as well, just didn't record that. And um yeah, Tre- Trevor spoke really really well. Um, I enjoyed the interview with him. It seemed to do quite well on our Twitter. Quite a lot of people enjoyed it. And um, he says his dad's obviously for Govan, big Celtic fan, and he um I think his dad got to meet Kerry Douglas, which was his hero, so that was nice for him and his family. So yeah, I was talking to him, but I'm actually in, I'm in the background there. I'm in Vega. I'm viewing Sky Sports, and um, you can see you can see him like an actual on the camera. So only 14 minutes and 59 seconds of my fame still to get, but um, he seemed to love it. Um, ah, it was good to see. It was good to see my Arthur. He was just great to see him. Just a an absolute hero for so many people, and on his day, fucking world class. Absolute world-class goalkeeper on his day. Um, but it's, it's a credit to both clubs. Our fans have turned out in such huge numbers um, to raise money for two great foundations. Um, I go to the kind of Celtic Foundations dinner in, in Glasgow at Celtic Park every year, and the, the stuff they've done has been, been phenomenal. If anybody follows me on Twitter, they'll see that I actually studied and won a chance to play on the park next season <laughs> um, where I'll uh, at half time where you see the kind of fat idiots that try and score I'll be one of them um, so feel free to give me a, a lot of abuse I love my my Samaras 9 jersey on hope <laughs> they get a goal so no the base, base foundations are, are, are great and um, it was good to, to get down and Okay, a good weekend, and then it's back to kind of normality and back to Celtic, the real, the real Celtic. That's it, as you say, and I think anybody that remembers, obviously you're saying you were five years early for the charity game last season, you turned up two years late for a B-team game, I think we'll need to crowdfund to get you a watch so you don't miss your chance to score at Celtic Park, but now something just a bit different for this part of the show. We have got an offer on, but needless to worry, it is someone who's been on the show before, and I'm sure anybody who's across Celtic fan media will know this guy. It is Hamish Carton from 67 Hill Hill. Uh, Hamish, thank you for coming back on. You were last on uh, at the end of last season when we had our end of season awards show. So how are you doing? I'm all good, Dan. Cheers for, for having us on again. And um Aye, it's been it's been a good uh, it's been a good year or so, hasn't it? Um, at that stage, I think we were all buzzing, but since then, over the last year, just how how the teams you know kept improving, uh, it's just been amazing. Yeah, definitely, it's it's crazy. I think it's almost a year since uh, that happened, but now we're hopefully closing in on a second title under Ange, which will be good. But uh, as I said, you know, now we can now call you an offer because. Uh, you enjoyed last season so much that you wrote a book about it. So do you want to tell us a bit about it? Aye, so um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's effectively the the story of of Ange coming into Celtic and how he kind of revolutionised the club. Um, and yeah, it mainly focuses on last season, but it covers a bit of this season as well. Uh, up until we we kind of started our Champions League campaign. And yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a risk at the time because I think when when I, the idea 
first came to me. The the league was still in the balance last year. I think we were maybe three points ahead. Uh, we still had to go to Ibrox. They still had to come to Celtic Park again. And um, yeah, I just kind of praying at that stage that we got uh, over the line. Um, e- even more reason to to want Celtic to win the league than normal, given that the the book was possibly there, and obviously it happened. And then just kind of basically wrote away uh, over, mainly over kind of May, uh, June, July, August, September. And um, and yeah, got, got the book in and it's, it's taken, it takes ages to get books published and all that, like five, six months. But it's out now and, and people can can read the story of, of last season and look back at all those amazing memories and games that, that you guys would have spoken about because there was there was just so many and so many amazing quotes from Ange and so many amazing players um and it's all kind of written in the book which is which is quite nice yeah definitely it's uh, definitely something to look back on last season which really I know it's it was a uh, it was a season where he gained a title after obviously the DBS nine before the season that we don't want to speak about I know that season was uh, one that would rather forget about. I, know, I think Tony was approached by about 85 uh, publishers who wanted him to write a book about the COVID season, but there's no amount of money that could get him to talk about that again, I'm afraid. But, uh, so I, how did it come about? Was it just something you were approached about, or is it something you've been thinking of doing? Okay, um, we, we'd just beaten Ross County last season. I don't know if you remember it. It was a Saturday game at Celtic Park. It was roasting hot. Folk had their, their tops off. I think Yakimakis scored a hat-trick that day. And um, a couple of days after that, oh, obviously, I mean, at that stage and, and basically at any stage, but last season particularly, you know, Celtic were just on all of our minds all the time. It was an incredible period to support the club, you know, trying to win that league back. And uh, I effectively, uh, I think I went for a, a dental appointment or something like that and, and ended up, you know, having some time to waste before before getting the, the train home and went into um, my local Waterstones and, and saw loads of loads of books and, and was kind of thinking, right, why is, why is someone or, or why is anyone not written about this story, uh, like Ange at Celtic? Because it's a pretty amazing story, you know, the, the way he came in with the, the, I mean, he was a bit of an afterthought when he first came in and there wasn't, there wasn't really a, a huge amount of excitement when we all heard his name at first, but just gradually over time, you know, when he spoke and the way his team played and when he won trophies, people just really got on board and it was just a great story to tell. So, yeah, that was a point where, where I just thought, you know, this is what I want to do. Um, I was trying to think of reasons why I wouldn't do it and the only one I arrived at was that it would be a hell of a lot of work um, over the summer and that was definitely the case. Um, I, I put a pitch in to, to the publishers um, who are called Pitch and uh, they got back effectively saying, um, yeah, we like this idea. We've got a good record with Celtic books and we're happy to to give it a go. Um, so, yeah, started writing at that stage. Well, I'd already kind of started, but properly got going at that stage and, and just really made the book the way I wanted it to be. Um, so there's, I think, five chapters there's about 20 chapters in total and five of them are like looking back at, at special games basically the key matches so you know the obvious ones the win at Aberdeen the 3-0 win over Rangers the the cup final victory over Hibs when Kyogo scored twice all of these games are covered 
then there's chapters on Ange and, and like he's done in the past that the likes of Yokohama F. Marinos, Brisbane Roar and the Socceroos and, and talking about, you know, his methods with, with some people that he worked with in the past. And there's chapters on key Celtic personnel like Cal McGregor's got his own chapter, Kyogo's got his own chapter, even Tom Rogic has his chapter. Um, so it's basically just, you know, a bit of everything in there. And yeah, really enjoyed writing it. I mean, there was tougher days, days when you kind of had to just make sure you kept writing to hit your word count. But the vast majority of it, like I really loved and found it quite therapeutic as well. Like looking back on last season and reliving all those memories and speaking to people um, who were able to kind of talk a bit about them. So, yeah, hopefully it's kind of resulted in a, a decent enough book um in the end yep definitely i think as you say i think the sort of task Ange had when he came in is sometimes overshadowing i think it's possibly because how well we've kept going and as the title of the book says we've never stopped you've not really had the chance to sort of reflect on it but i think anybody that uh, buys the book and reads it will really sort of uh, as amplify how magic a season it was and uh, I've seen the foreword was written by a friend of uh, the pod he's been on here and he's a regular contributor to 67 Hail Hail with uh, Celtic former number seven Scott McDonald. Yeah Scott was great with it as well I, I mean when I was writing it he, he was the obvious guy because you know Australian um, knows Ange as well I think from, from the start of his career I think he played under Ange with the, the kind of young Socceroos and I think Ange actually left them out of a team once um, I think he was Ange's captain and Ange still left him out of the team um, which kind of sums Ange up sometimes he doesn't really you know, care too much for your status but I think they're they're absolutely fine now and um, I know that Ange actually had Scott McDonald kind of in with him um, a bit during the the recent tour to Australia I think Scott was hosting some media events and stuff like that with Ange and some of the Celtic players so yeah he knows what's happening and yeah he was, he was great that, that he agreed to do it and just just gives the book a bit of a bit of stardust because uh, not too many folk probably care for my name, but they'll certainly know uh, Scott McDonald's. And um, I, I came up with the name. You won't believe this, right? But I came up with the name before all of the the real chat about we never stop. Um, cause I was I came up with the name, and then I think a couple of weeks later, Sky Sports had a documentary out that was called We Never Stop, and then Celtic brought their end of season. Uh, DVD out a few weeks after that and that was called We Never Stop and, and the phrase really kind of took on even more meaning at that stage but um, I'd just gone for Never Stop, just drop the wee and just make it just a, a wee bit cleaner um, but I was I was a wee bit kind of wee bit um, miffed when uh, when like Celtic and, and Sky started coming up with the same name because it just looks like I've copied them but um, I know you'll believe me in that mate Oh definitely and I just think when you were talking there, that's quite unlucky for Scott McDonald because I'm sure when we had him on, he spoke about how I think Gordon Stratton bombed him out at one of his clubs as well. So for two Celtic managers to do that to him, we'll need to find out if anybody else bombed him out just to see who might be in store in the future. But no, it's definitely, as you say, it's somebody who's uh, really placed well to speak about Ange and uh, like his connection with Celtic and his connection with Australia. But uh, no, it's... Uh, definitely uh, looking forward to reading it. My copy is on the way as we speak. Uh, just uh, if, if anybody's listening wants to pick a copy of the book up, whereabouts can they get it? 
So the, the best place to try and get it is Amazon. I know um, for, for chatting to the publishers earlier this week that Amazon have a lot of stock of the book. They took um, the vast majority of the copies that have been printed so far. So um, you'll be able to get it on Amazon. Um, it's a bit more difficult if you're maybe, you know, the other side of the world. I don't know how many Aussie listeners you guys get, or, or I dare say there'll be people in America, etc. It's maybe a little bit harder for them, but if they check with a uh, local kind of bookshop, it should be there. Um, they may not have stock right now. I know they've, they're going to print more books off. They're in the kind of process of doing that at the moment because the demand's been so high. So you'll be able to get it somewhere. Amazon's the main place. Um, Waterstones have it in store um, in a fair few uh, Scottish stores, and they'll be getting more in as well. Um, so, yeah, if, I mean, if anyone wants a a signed copy for whatever reason, um, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter and we can try and sort something there as well. I'm happy to do that if, if people want that. But I don't know why they would, to be honest, but um, if they do, that's up to them. But yeah, just um, it's it's just nice to look back on, on an incredible season and um, I, I hope if people you know buy the book, they'll enjoy it as well. Yep, definitely. I'll pop the link in the episode description as well, just in case anybody's looking for it. And you never know. I popped any, uh, bumped any before the game outside Celtic Park. I'll bring my copy uh, before the okay. Rangers game, and you can sign it then as well. But uh, no, so how's things been going for you and Six Seven Hill Hill? And I seen you were over in Philadelphia recently. I that was great. I was at the the Plowboy CSC event and really can open my eyes to not to how big a club Celtic are. Like because. Obviously, like we, we all know how big a club Celtic are, but see when I, I don't know if you've ever been to anything like that. But see when you go away to the other side of the world and and like you've got an entire pub filled with Celtic fans, like and I'm talking a hundred, two hundred Celtic fans, all with like different accents. It's it's pretty crazy. So that was that was really enjoyable. Super Bowl weekend as well. So that was that was a really fun one. But no, just in general, probably the same as you guys. It's just. It's just really enjoyable supporting Celtic right now, and the team. It's just for for me, it's it's by far the most enjoyable Celtic team that I've had in 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 my lifetime. Um, well, sorry, in my supporting lifetime, I don't really remember the the O'Neill team. My first season ticket was I think two thousand and five, so um, I don't really remember them. But in terms of the enjoyment this team has given me, and and just the manager we have. Uh, it's it's unparalleled. I mean, I, I just think Ange is incredible. Everything he's done for the club, um, and I just think he's going right to the the top of world football. Um, but but hopefully, you know, a, a number of more years at Celtic, and I think that is the case as well. I think he's he's certainly got far more to achieve at Celtic, and I think we'll have at least another couple of years of Ange. Um, and just really try to enjoy every minute of this, mate. It's probably the same with you guys. Just enjoy supporting Celtic and watching this team every week because as uh, as sad a thought as it is, it's not always going to be like this. Um, these are like amazing times to support the club and just need to try and enjoy them and hope they go on for as long as possible. Yep, definitely. As you say, I think I think when you think back to like when Rogers was there, I think everybody was sort of caught up and thinking he was going to be there for 10 in a row and I think fans are a bit more aware of how, how good Ange is and I don't think they expect him to walk out during the season. I think the sort of there is the fear that, as you say, eventually 
not a bigger club than Celtic, but a team in a better league will eventually approach Ange. And I think we always speak about uh, the way Ange spoke about Josip Juranovic, about how he's ambitious and it's a short career. And I think, I think Ange is very ambitious as well. But I think that at the same time, he's ambitious at Celtic. As you say, I don't think he's going to head in the summer. I think he want at least another crack at the Champions League and to really make a mark in Europe. But as you say, it's just about enjoying him while he is here and while we're and enjoying success, which looks like it is going to continue. But uh, just before I let you go, we are back in action this weekend. I know it's been a successful international break for Scotland and uh, this game against Spain. I know you were there last night and it was a great atmosphere, but it's nothing quite like a afternoon trip to Dingwall on Sunday. Are you looking forward to having Celtic back? Yeah, it's, it's going to be good, actually. I'm looking forward to the game on Sunday and I think it's it's probably a decent enough game to come back to. We're probably going to be missing a good few players, I would say. I mean, we'll wait and see what Ange says, but it seems like, you know, Hatati Moy, I don't think I've been in training yet. Uh, Ralston, uh, Abada and Maida as well, potentially. So, I mean, it could be interesting. We might get to see Haksabanovic start on Sunday. We might get to see Awata maybe start on Sunday. So that should be quite good. And it's just like, I enjoy the international stuff and, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like the last week's been as much of a drag as normal. Probably because Scotland have been decent enough, and it's been, you know, two home games, and I've been at them both. But just really looking forward to getting back to Celtic now, and and I can a clean run at it now, and till the end of the season. And I, I mean, it's there's a lot of big games to come, but for me, it's that um, that semi final. That's the that's the major one that I think is going to decide whether we win the treble or not. So it's kind of, my eyes are kind of on that a wee bit, but obviously we've got, you know, another derby before then as well that's pretty big as well. Yep, definitely. Yep. I should say the big games are coming fit and fast in the next few weeks, but it will be interesting to see how we go and hopefully we will be discussing in our league title and potential treble, as you say. Uh, but I'll let you go, Hamish. It was great to have you on. And as I say, I'll put the links for the book in the episode description if anybody's looking but I hope to speak to you in the future and best of luck with everyone. I know I appreciate it and appreciate the support for you guys as well and keep up the good work. Celtic are back this weekend, the internationals are done, I know most people probably enjoyed it a bit more than usual just because Scotland picked up a few good results uh, but we'll move on to the important stuff that is Celtic continuing their quest to get their second league title in a row. Danny, I'll bring you in. They're off to Ross County on Sunday at midday. Eh, kickoff is it's no the worst sort of game to come back to, and I think the fact that it's on the Sunday. I know a lot of people moan when we play after Rangers, but I think the fact that this game's on Sunday will benefit us because it gives our players that were on international duty and our players that are injured an extra day to recover. What are you expecting from Sunday? I think you're right. Normally, I like playing the Saturday, but. It would be really good to give the players an extra day. Players like McGregor that played, you know, over 180 minutes over the last couple of days. And you get all the players back that were travelling abroad. I think some of the players had a couple of days off as well. So, um, Sunday will be tough. It's always, always is up at Ross County, even though I think we've won a couple of games 3 and 4 1 there this year. But they're tough, tough games and you never get it easy. So, I hope. Expecting a game and hopefully we'll, we'll there'll be no kind of hangover or rustiness for the international break and we just kick back into stride again because I would imagine the gap will be down to down to six points as we go in. But the team have not really gave us any indication that they're they're not going to be right up for it come come kick off. So hopefully 
um, you know, but we, we're just counting down the, the games now until, until we can get far ahead enough that we can think about clinching the league. But I'm, I'm looking forward to the to Celtic being back because I, I know Scotland played quite well last week, but I really can't go qualifying for the international at all. Happy to be a happy crit and turn up and watch the finals and that, but the qualifying stuff just uh, costs me lots of money and I kind of just hate it. Oh, I think you speak to the when you say that, so shame on France for not winning one nil the other night. But uh, Andy, what you expecting from it? As Danny says, the gap will probably cut the six by then, and the, as much as we've got that gap, there's not really any sort of room for error, given that we've got a Glasgow derby in about ten days as well. So would you expect us to just be sort of back to business? I know there's still questions over the fitness of guys like Tati and Aaron Moy and a few others. No, certainly there's any any sort of let up and. Um, I, I don't think the manager will, will let us take our eye off the ball. Like you say, we're coming back for a number of players on international duty. Um, and then aside from that, there's obviously players who, who had niggles beforehand and um, the players who would have been training away at Lennox Town um, sort of during this, this break. But I, I, I think we're going to the game, I agree with you, but with Danny says, um, I don't think it's a, a foregone conclusion. Um that you just go up and win uh, the. And we, I know we beat them four one in the cup, but before that was the three one win up there in the league. Um, when we played them up at Dingwall, and again, it's I don't think the, I don't think the first goal came. Yeah, but so sort of no long after the second half kicked off. So obviously, you know, it's like you get half time in these games and you start to panic, and then obviously they, I think it went one each before. Um, Jens puts two one up late on, um, so up to the eightieth minute if I remember rightly. So obviously that shows you it was it wasn't a sort of easy game for us, wasn't a walk in the park, and I think that that sort of same rule will apply when we go up there. They'll try and make it difficult. They'll be looking for just to one take an eye off the ball and sort of suffer for that um, a bit of a hangover after the break, which you hope wasn't happen. Um, but. I I'm looking forward to see the team that lines up. I think, as you mentioned, and there's obviously players like Moy and things who've had wee niggles. Maeda was away with Japan and he's back because he wasn't playing and he wasn't fit enough. Um, there's obviously things that have been only a bad and it'll be interesting to see the the team that comes out. And as I say, I think the manager would have, will be sort of accepting nothing less than than players being relentless as we have been. Um, I almost forgot to mention that uh, the game at Parkhead when we went 2-1 and they went 1-0 up. So they've obviously gave us a, a, a bit of a test um, already a couple of times this season. Um, but hopefully it's the same outcome and we can overcome that and, and get the get the, get the three points. Um, but uh, it'd, be, it'd be interesting, Dan. I know we will come on to obviously talk about predictions and, and who we think will line up. But... Um, I, I don't think the team differ too much for Hibs uh, for the team that lined up against Hibs um, to be honest with you I'd, I'd be fairly surprised um, obviously barring the obvious ones are uh, Maeda because he's injured but uh, it's, I think we'll come back and it, it should be the same sort of relentlessness that you've seen um, I, I think I, I just, I've got so much confidence um, in the team and the manager and the way we go about our business that we won't sort of take our eye off the ball um, and, and we won't, when it goes to to six points before we get our game, then we, that 
that will be quickly rectified. Um, I've got no doubt about that. I definitely, as you say, although uh, we've won three times against them this season already, the two games in the league especially have been really tight games. As you say, we've, the first game we played them in the league, it was Kyogo put us ahead just after half-time before we were pegged back. And as you say, Yen scored quite late on uh, to make it 2-1. I know Abada then went on and made it 3-1, but it was a tight game that day. And then the other league game, as you mentioned, it was that day that Matt O'Reilly uh, was judged to have handballed it with one of the most ridiculous uh, decisions that VAR has made this season and there's been plenty so to get that credit is going something but uh, it was one of the most ridiculous penalties we've ever conceded uh, but we came back that day and obviously that was, I think that was the game before the World Cup as well uh, last game before the World Cup even and Haksabanovic done what Haksabanovic does it's that sort of and then curled one in to give us a win that day but uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it because it's just I just kind of get enough of this Celtic team and I think they'll be buzzing to get back. I've got sort of concerns about midfield just with guys like Tati and uh, Moy are out and as Danny said, Cal McGregor's played 180 minutes in the space of four days there. So uh, that's where I think that we will benefit from the extra day. So hopefully, I, I wouldn't, I'd quite like to see somebody like Awata get a chance if he's back fit, but uh, it remains to be seen. Tony, what are you expecting from Sunday? Oh, we expect us to kind of fly out the tabs and win. Uh, Ross County are kind of the low-scale <coughs> club this season. They're in the relegation zone. So, um, again, we, we say the same stuff every week. If they turn up, we'll win. Um, I'd like to think everybody fully firing. We should win 3-0. Um, I'll go for Kyogo to get a double and Hitati to score. Why not? Um I didn't know if you asked me for a prediction. I just thought I'd, I'd get that in there. But no, I, I, I just um, I don't see anybody kind of um, troubling us at the moment. Again, it can happen, but it's just there's just no indication whatsoever that, that we're going to drop points. Um, I'd like to think we can we can come through it fine, and then it's on to a, a huge game next week. I'm sure we'll do our own our own episode about that, which will probably be a title decider. So. Uh, well, not a title decider. <laughs> if we win, then it will be a title decider. Um, so I, you know, I can I can see he's, uh, doing a business quite early doors actually. Danny, what are you going to go for? Tony's went for three 0 Um, I think it will be three one again, and I think we'll pull away later on and draw will score two at least, and oh, we'll get another. Andy, what are you going for? Uh, I'm going to go for 3-0. In fact, not Tony said 3-0, didn't he? I'll go 2-0. Um, I, I, I think I actually think O will be in the score sheet as well. Um, I think it gets... I just to keep my mind there's just a, a side point. I don't know if any of you seen his, his goal that got chopped off for South, uh, for South Korea. Great finish, well. Um, so unlucky, to be honest, it looked... Looked marginal um, for the call, but I, I think two 0 I think O and Haksibanovic um, will be on the score sheet. I seen that goal. It was a cracking finish. It was a shame it was ruled out because it was a absolute belter. I think it's going to be a horrible game. I think it'll be two one Celtic, but I think it's just going to take a wee while to break Ross County down. I think it'll probably have a similar feel to the Aberdeen game that we played when we came back from the last international break in terms of. 
think they'll just put 11 behind the ball and hope for the best. And they have managed to score a few goals against us this season, so I think that it will be a tight game. Uh, I think Kyogo's bound to go on the score sheet because I think he'll be just desperate to uh, keep firing. And I know it's been a lot made him easy mission from the Japan squad, but it seems to always respond positively. And uh, the best way he can do that is by getting on the score sheet. So I think he'll get a goal, and I think Haxabanovich will get the winner as well. Uh, to make it 2 on Celtic but as Tony says we will be back next week to preview that massive Glasgow Derby game we'll also look back at Sunday's game against Ross County so uh, we won't leave it three weeks this time to be back podding we promise uh, make sure you're checking out the YouTube Kieran and Sean are doing lots of good content over there just search for Podtims and you'll find them there uh, thanks to Trevor Sinclair for speaking to Tony after the Legends game. Thanks to Hamish coming on. Just remember to put the link for his book in the episode description. And thank you, you very much for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Uh, but until next week, Kill and cheers. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.